Um, so now that we look like we're recording a morning talk show, <laughs> welcome to Queer Halftime. My name is Becca. I use she, they pronouns, and I'm here on this pretty ugly couch uh, with Kelsey. Hello, my name is Kelsey. I also use she, they pronouns. It's ugly. It's not actually as comfortable as you think, but we're trying to figure out our setup. We're figuring it out. Hopefully this audio works better than last time. Um, so we can actually have an audio and a good video. Yeah. I mean, the video was good. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We're figuring it out. Thank you for coming on this journey with us. And being so patient. (laughs) Yes. We love you very much. And on that note, welcome. (laughs) So, um, we touched a little bit last week on, um, how to respond if somebody corrects you on their pronouns or on someone mm-hmm. else's pronouns. Mm-hmm. So God, this topic, I love this topic. Kelsey really wanted to role play. I love to role play. <laughs> Not in a weird way, in like a scenario way. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be figuring out how much eye contact is too much eye contact. Right. <laughs> Where to look. <laughs> so um, am I misgendering you? We decided. Yeah. Okay. So basically what we want to do is a lot of people, a lot of times ask us if I get it, if I get it wrong, what do I do? And there are two very distinct responses. There's one that absolutely is not okay. And then there's one that's the way you want to go. And I think it's important that we kind of show both of those so people can see the impact of somebody not responding appropriately. I myself am non-binary. So misgendering me does kind of suck sometimes. Um, I obviously, this is a role play. So like I'm going into it, not being offended, but it's like, I will respond as I would. And then Becca is going to show you how you absolutely should not respond if you're being corrected by somebody and then how you absolutely should respond. Kelsey told me to make it seem natural, but I'm going to overact the hell out of this. Okay. I'm excited. I'm a former theater kid. We're going to do this right. I'm looking in the wrong camera. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I wish we couldn't see ourselves. Okay. Hey, lady. Oh, hi. I twitched. Oh, it hurts me. I hate that. So, like, actually, Becca, please don't use the word lady. I'm non-binary, and that word does not, it's not something I identify with. <gasps> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. This whole non-binary thing is so new to me. I'm still learning. I never knew you could use they, them for one person. It's all so new. It's not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's talk about something else. (laughs) Like I offered to be the one misgendered. I know. I'm sorry. I know. No, no, no. (laughs) But it's like, that's what it makes you feel like, right? Because like, you feel like the attention is on your gender yeah when somebody responds to that yeah you're like oh can we talk about literally anything other than what we're talking about right now that felt bad I saw your eye twitch when I said lady I know and like you were like curling in as I was like (laughs) I'm sorry I know it was fake but I love it I love it I feel good I feel awake nothing wakes you up like being misgendered early on a Wednesday morning (laughs) oh my god I love it okay anyways like so let's do the right way because this is also important Hey, she, Becca, that's lovely of you, but I actually prefer they, them pronouns. Oh, thanks. My bad. Anyway, hey, they, 
don't ever call somebody a bay, obviously. But like, that's, I was trying to, well, cause so normally when someone corrects you, you then kind of repeat mm-hmm. what you had said with the proper. Mm-hmm. And I had said, Hey, she, yeah. Cause that's my brain doesn't work yet today apparently well the thing is with us is that it's it's awkward for us to misgender people yeah right like that's what it is like i don't think it matters if it's 9 a.m on a freaking wednesday morning or if it's like 12 p.m which is only a few hours later or 12 a.m at a bar on a saturday night right like it's not something that's natural for us to do because we are very aware of people's comfort right and like we're very aware of people's identities and we give people that space to be who they are so it's hard it's really hard to put yourself in a place to misgender another person of the queer community Mm -hmm. I will say when it comes to like doing trainings and stuff I've done trainings in the past where I've pulled somebody aside like I've pulled somebody up and been like who feels really brave today and I've misgendered them in front of, and it's always a straight person, right? Mm-hmm. So, but you, but, and somebody that presents really female say, and is a female and identifies as a woman. And I know that and is cisgendered, straight, white, like, but is accessing an in- inclusivity training. A lot of times I'll pull them up and be like, oh, hey, it's really nice to meet you. You are so masculine today. I love how broad your shoulders are. You know, it's really putting your masculinity on the line to like, whatever, like come up and do this. And like Angel, who you all had met previously on a previous episode, taught me that. And that is like, that's easier. Mm -hmm. It's still hard, but it's easier to do because you know that that person's feeling that type of discomfort for a really small amount of time. Yeah. Well, and it's not something that they have to deal with dozens of times a day, every Every day, single day. Yeah. Right. And it's not something that's already taken a huge toll on their mental health, but yeah, if somebody corrects you just, Oh, thanks. And then move on, repeat what you had said, because it's a good practice and also shows that you are willing to change and use their pronouns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, please don't go into a huge spiel about how sorry you are and how new it is to you and how you're learning. We know you're learning yeah. and we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But um, I know, I mean, I don't really get misgendered much, but you can probably speak to this better than me, but how often do you hear those apologies? I often don't correct people because I hate That's the apologies. <laughs> like, so, but I hear those apologies when I'm correcting people about other people, right? Yeah. So I'm a lot more stronghold on other people's pronouns than I am on my own. Um, and I will defend other people quickly. I think a lot of us are like that, right? Where we'll be like, oh no, sorry, you've got their yeah. pronouns wrong. And we'll correct people about other people. And that's where you hear that apology. Oh, right. This is so hard for me. It's like, I know it's hard for you. I don't care. Life is hard for me. <laughs> like, welcome to the club. <laughs> but yeah, if somebody else corrects you, if I'm like, oh, she's super cool. And Kelsey says, oh, they use they, them. I'll be like, oh, thanks. They're super cool. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Correction. And like, if I do it to somebody, like if I were to misgender you, I'd be like, sorry, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And then repeat Yeah. And the key is like, correct people in all spaces, not just around other queer people, because like, I want my gender to be perceived correctly, even when I'm not in the room. That's the thing, right? Is it's really easy to let it slide when there's no queer people around Mm -hmm. or when that specific person isn't around. Um, But it is really important because it's a good way to practice when they aren't around, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you get in the habit of misgendering someone when they aren't around, there's a good chance 
you're going to slip and do it when they are around. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, it's a really good kind of way to practice. It's important, you know, validate people's experiences. It's all you got to do is be nice and intentional. But yeah, I've had people like a friend of mine used they, them, and they corrected my roommate and my roommate actually burst into tears over feeling attacked Mm -hmm. and made it all about them. And it was so gross and so uncomfortable for everybody. And then now this non-binary person is put into the situation where they have to comfort this cis straight person. Right. And it's, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Just because you don't (laughs) understand something doesn't mean it's not valid. She also went into a thing about how they, them isn't used in like a singular form, which it is, it always has been. Um, Using it for a known individual is a little bit newer, Mm -hmm. but the singular thing is as long as English has been a thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Trust me, I studied language. (laughs) Becca knows, Becca knows. Becca knows all. It's true. So uh, what were we talking about today? Yes, body positivity. Yeah. And you... Oh, have started a new show that you want okay, to talk about. So I binged the new show, actually. Um, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I, and of course, I would leave Raiden the mic to do it. Yeah. Wow. So basically, what kind of sparked this conversation, we were going to do this topic last week, and then we got talking about the don't say gay bill and how important it was. And we were like, we should address this sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. So that's what kind of sparked that taking over last week. But last week we had been talking about doing something about body positivity. And then when we kind of tabled it and we were coming about coming back and talking about what we should do this week, I was like, we should do body positivity because there's this show on Amazon Prime. And if you have Amazon Prime or are a fan of pop music, you know about this show. And it's Lizzo's new show, Watch Out for the Big Girls. And it's absolutely probably one of the most empowering shows I've ever watched in my life. And basically the premise of it is that Lizzo, the famous singer, um, has a crew of famous dancers, her backup dancers, and they're all plus size individuals. They're all plus size women. Most of them are plus size people of color. There's very few white people on the crew. Um, And there's trans representation. Like there is absolutely everything you could think of. And this show is her audition, I guess, She brings 13 plus size dancers on from all different walks of life. um, And they audition for like the eight episodes to become one of her like touring backup dancers. And one of the individuals is a plus size trans woman that is so open about how trans, like about how she's trans and about how she just started her transition 10 years ago. And she's absolutely phenomenal. And it really sparked this conversation between me and my partner and my partner is also a plus size individual about how these these shows are going to change lives Mm -hmm. like representation like this is going to change lives I these women were dancing better than I could and I am looked at as more of a straight size individual not in the eyes of the medical system like I am considered like plus size or whatever but in the eyes of like society I'm considered more straight size and I called. Yeah. Okay. And I did not know. I didn't see that I was represented and bigger people weren't on these mm-hmm. stages until I finally started to see it. And when I watched the show, like you watch these women transform, it's absolutely mind blowing. So yeah, I, the power of body positivity and like 
fat advocacy and like Mm -hmm. plus size advocacy, those things are so important. And I think it's important for us as straight size people Mm -hmm. to talk about it because we have the platform, we have the ability and we have like exposure to seeing ourselves every day. Yeah. And that's the thing, like I know buying clothes, like to the fashion world, we were both plus size, especially post COVID. Mm. Oh my God, I've gained so much weight. And that's making me kind of reassess my relationship with weight because I grew up so my mom was always on a diet Mm -hmm. always on a diet and like obsessed with her weight and really uncomfortable with her body and that got ingrained in me Mm -hmm. very very young and so I growing up like my whole life I have been obsessed with the scale and with like the inches around my waist and like before COVID I finally got to a point where I was kind of happy and like you know, I was strong. Mm -hmm. My body could do things. Mm -hmm. I was really happy. And then COVID. Yeah. And also I took, started taking antidepressants, which caused a really fast weight gain. Yeah. And then I couldn't go to the gym anymore. So I was eating more. It was a whole thing. So now I've had to reassess my relationship with my body. Mm -hmm. And it's been, it's been a journey. (laughs) It is. It really is. And I wonder, like, my question to you is, do you notice the difference in representation now? Like, did you, are you aware that things are harder to access, 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 access for bigger bodies or like aren't bigger bodies aren't represented as much? Like, does that, is that more prevalent to you now that you aren't at like, so what I'm noticing now is even though it's the fashion world, we're both plus size. Mm -hmm. When you look at the average, you know, person especially the average like estrogen endocrine system based person um we are average size yeah we are what most people look like right so i have noticed buying stuff like my size will be sold out all the time and it's really annoying and i'm not used to yeah totally (laughs) um yeah also just women's sizing come Mm -hmm. on get your crap together and we can, we can shop in regular stores. We can. That's something yeah. that's so important to talk about. And like, except for bras, but that's a yeah. different thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. You, that's a you problem. That's a you problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's important to talk about. It's interesting because we order out loud merch, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> plug the hoodie. Um, so we do like t-shirts and hoodies and stuff like that. And like, we like to have inclusive sizing and we're always talking about like what that entails and how big and how small we should go and how to do that in the best way so that like the people that are going to access this this line of our clothing feel comfortable and things that I would have never had to think about like the person that prints our clothing had to explain to us that like a lot of times plus size clothing when you're getting something printed on it it costs more because it uses if you want the ratio to be the Mm, same it uses more material so like this out loud decal is one piece, right? But if it's, if you want the same ratio on say a three XL, it might be two pieces Mm -hmm. instead of just one. And it's things that I would have never thought about. And it always sparks the conversation of how, like, it kind of makes a little bit of sense when you're talking about pricing being a little bit more, but it, because you're using more material. So if you're thinking of like overall cost it does cost more to the manufacturer to say, mm-hmm. but for me as a straight size individual, it's like raise the price of the medium. You know what I mean? Yeah. To offset 
the cost to make it in larger sizes for my or your CEO can make less money. Yeah. Yeah. Or that (laughs) like the socialist is coming up to that. But like, that's the thing, right? Like everybody's making money off of absolutely every item they sell. Mm -hmm. So do you need, is that extra $2? Like, can you, can you swallow it for the sake of people feeling comfortable in the clothing that you're making? Well, and so a lot of plus size clothing, I know like with larger bras, they're not like all the cute ones are the little sizes, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. I have to go, it's like special online stores. Otherwise I'm buying black, beige or white. Yeah. Right. And it's the same with plus size clothing in general. Like it's not as cute. A lot of places, like it's getting better, Mm -hmm. but even then it's more for, you know, the plus size, but still an hourglass. And that's the thing. So people say, oh, there's a lot more fat acceptance or whatever you want to call it but it's still for a very specific body type and still a white able-bodied yes. body type. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And like the representation, like shows like this Lizzo show, I would seriously recommend if you watch nothing else in 2022, which we all know you're going to watch a lot more, um, please watch this show because you literally see these women transform and myself as a queer person and as a non-binary person, that trans representation, like I was like, there were several moments where I was like, this is changing my life. Like this is breaking down the stereotypes I have about trans bodies. Right. Like it just, the whole thing was so freaking beautiful. And it's so important to constantly have these conversations and challenge these things. If you are safe enough to do so as straight Mm -hmm. sized people, I'm safe enough to go to my boss and be like, Hey, I want to upgrade our plus size sizes, right? Like Mm -hmm. our 2X, 3X, I want to go higher. I want to go smaller because I might be a large or a medium Mm -hmm. and I'm okay with that. So I may as well use that to push for the people that like don't have that representation because if you can't, if I'm going to tell you, I am a lot more likely to buy something if I can walk into a store and shop for myself and my partner Mm -hmm. in the same store. Interesting. I am a hundred percent more likely to buy something. If I walk in, there are some stores that I access that I access that have very ridiculous sizing and I have used them for years and they're cheap. So mm-hmm. like I just get staples there or whatever. Yeah. But if I am looking for quality clothing and I can't find my partner size in there, if you don't go up past a size extra large, like I'm turning around and walking out because mm. this is like, it's not inclusive. And who, who are you trying to cater to? Like, because a lot of times that extra large is like the size of a leg. Well, yeah, like I said, um, there's no standardization in sizing. No. Um, So it makes it really fun, especially shopping online for pants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, and like we said, you know, a lot of that acceptance like is white, able-bodied people. And we have seen some, like a couple campaigns um, for people with like a, they'll have like a GI bag or the model will be in a wheelchair, Mm -hmm. things like that. And that's really exciting to Mm -hmm. see as well. Totally. Um, Yeah. And again, like more models of color. Yeah. Models from the neurodivergent community. Like bring me that. That is what I want to see on your billboards. Like, cause that will suck me into a store. Absolutely. But also like it goes along with that conversation that we've had previously about performative activism, right? Like then what? Like you can't exploit 
neurodivergent people and the one yeah. with billboards, you have to pay them. You have to like do the work and make sure that your policies like align because well, not otherwise be a, that's not fair. A one-time publicity stunt yeah. either, right? Because that's another thing people fall into, right? Yeah. Is they're like, yeah, we'll have a model with Down syndrome mm -hmm. and then for never. Down syndrome month. Yeah, for Down syndrome month and then never again. Yeah. Right. The trans models, everybody loves a good trans model in June. Yeah. Yeah. A nice token gay to put on a billboard. Everybody loves that. And it's like, that's great. And yes, that is, that is representation. And one month out of 12 is better than zero months out of 12, but build it into your campaign and build it into your stuff. So when somebody comes up to you and is like, oh, I saw that trans model when like, where are they now? You can say, I'm still working with them. <laughs> like yeah. you can see them on this billboard and this billboard and this billboard or this ad or whatever. And that's what we want to see. I don't want to see that trans person on a billboard once or for in even for trans day of visibility, like yeah. do not make trans people hyper visible for international trans day of visibility. Mm -hmm. Like that's not like provide resources, but don't like be like, oh, here are like, unless you are a queer person doing an educational piece, yeah. do not as a straight person be like, here are queer people from history. Let me show you. It's yeah. like, that's not your job. It's not your role. And I think there is a perception that in the queer community, there's a lot more body positivity. Mm. Sometimes some people, sure. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most case, I think it's just a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you are say like a mask lesbian, there is a very specific way people want you to present. Mm -hmm. If you are, you know, more femme, yep. they want you to present like same with um, like gay and bi men. Mm -hmm. Like there's the whole, you know, oh, you're too old to be a twink or like you've gained some weight or like, yeah, yeah. Or like you, you can't be a bear because you're tiny. And yeah. it's like, first off, you likely don't know what these terms mean, mm -hmm. right? Like, like a lot of times when we're saying it, even me, like I know a ton of terminology about the lesbian community, can't tell you as much about the queer com male community because that's not my community and I have to do extra work there, right? So it's just not as fluid to me. So I'm yeah. not gonna be like, oh, you can't, you can't be a twink. Cause like, what does that mean? Can I define that? to a gay man like yeah. can I define that to somebody that actually identifies as that because other if I can't it's not my place <laughs> like we need to turn down the furnace I'll be right back <laughs> <laughs> and we're back and we're back so yes in the queer community body positivity mm -hmm. holy cow it's a big issue it it really is yeah. right because there's so many like we have so many little boxes that people like to fit into mm -hmm. and oh my gosh if you don't fit perfectly there are going to be people coming for you yeah totally like if you are a trans person that does not pass perfectly or isn't like conventionally attractive if you are a trans woman who has a beard right if you are like a chubby gay man but not a bear yeah. like yeah if you're a mask who likes to wear lipstick, like, and these, like, I love talking, like, I love always attaching it to what, how does this impact our youth? And yeah. it impacts our youth by they come to group and they keep their mask on because they feel like they don't pass enough that day. They're obsessed with passing like, and it breaks my heart. Passing is one of the 
largest conversations. We have very tiny children who bind. We have very tiny children who talk to us about how they're terrified their voice is going to drop. And it's like these things, these are societal norms that are put on people based on what is in their pants. And these kids are so terrified that like their gender is going to be misconstrued or misconceived that they put so much on this. Like Pat, all they want to do is draw attention away from, yeah that gender right like the gender they were assigned at birth or the sex they were assigned at birth and it's just so unfortunate and you really don't see it if you're not exposed to the community right yeah and then something that affects both you know the cishet community and our community that really gets me is body hair oh yes yeah I love that topic that's yeah because like you can't really see it on camera but like mine is quite dark I have fairly dark Mm -hmm. body hair, right? Like fair it's yeah. And that's holy cow. Like I remember being in school and getting made fun of for having arm hair. And then one day I was like, you know, little socially anxious me was like in the bathroom and people came over and I didn't want to deal with that. So I like was bored and shaved my arms. And then I got crap at school for having shaved my arms. I was like, there's no way to win. There's no way to win. Yeah. And being like 11 and being pressured to shave my legs. Right. Like, and all kinds of crap. And like, it's the same, this affects, you know, both communities. Right. And it's just so wild that like, yeah, like I have some really amazing tattoo artist friends who, cause you have to shave the Mm -hmm. spot. Right. Even if it's just peach fuzz and they will make people feel so comfortable Mm -hmm. And they'll, you know, be like, all right, we got to shave that peach fuzz because we're mammals. Yeah. It's, yeah. Right? It's evolutionary. Mm-hmm. It's- and like we could do, I think we could do a whole topic on, I think we could do a, probably a whole episode on body hair probably, and where the obsession with none of it comes from, because we both are very aware that like, that's a, like that's in, that's an attraction to a juvenile, like a young person, right? Like, it's like, that's not, it's not normal. And as you get older, you really, really learn that body hair is not that big of a deal because it's really not like you're, you, you want to be with adults yeah. when you're an adult, right? And like body hair comes with growth. It comes with having a life. It grows with you. And like a lot of people, unless you're, you know, like they don't care. No, a lot of people I've dated, they don't care. And if they do, it's a red flag. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If they care, I would very curiously ask them why. Mm -hmm. Why do you care so much? Because I'm willing to bet it's an insecurity on their part. Mm -hmm. And I would like to unpack that. Right. And it's, yeah. So women are expected to have none at all. And then men like cis men are expected to have just the right amount. Yeah. Right. Like you know, it puts hair on your chest, but you don't want to have back hair. Yeah. So yeah, you've got to have like just that right amount, not too thick, not too long in the right spots. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. And you think of like these young, like male identifying children being obsessed with, oh, I got my first chin hair. It's like, do you know what it was like when I got my first chin hair? (laughs) Not a good day. (laughs) Like today I'm like, oh, I wish I'd kept that. You know, just nice have the beard, one really nice. dark hair. Yeah. But like, but it really like 
kids hear that and kids see that. And like my, I grew up in a very similar family, like yours, where body image was, was not like body image was not healthy, not healthy. (laughs) Um, and I had an eating disorder for a very, very, very long time and got to a point where I had to really detach from people commenting on what I looked like. Yeah. And now I'm so aware when people comment on anybody's body, like, I'm like, I see you, I hear you. I feel that like, because you don't know, I always call them the water cooler conversations, right? Mm. Like it's the conversations that you have when you're at the office around the water cooler with your colleagues about people that you don't think are in the room. So when you say, Ooh, did you see on Facebook that Jenny got admitted into a mental health facility for an eating disorder? You don't know that somebody next to you is not, does not have an eating disorder. Yeah. Like what caused me to come out as gay to my broader community was the water cooler conversations about around the pulse shooting. Mm. I came out right when that happened because I was like, I am being surrounded by conversations about this community and nobody knows that I'm a part of it. And it hurt me a lot. So it's like these things, you can't have these water cooler conversations and just like expect that the people around you don't have experiences with this kind of stuff because you don't know that. Yeah. That's why I can't count, can't count calories. Mm -hmm. Um, which like I come from the fitness community, like I, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. but I can't count calories because every time I do, I flirt with disordered eating. Right. Right. Like it's, yeah, it's really unhealthy. And it's interesting because I don't come from the fitness community. I come from the sports community Mm, and the like the acceptable family, like my family was well or known in the community and we had a standard to uphold mm. and though like certain people weren't our kinds of the people. Family and, name. Yeah, yeah. So like, and it wasn't even a family name because like my mom was remarried. Right. Yeah. But the man that she was remarried to was very, very strict in how things were and I will never forget when I was in the friggin' fifth grade, he commented on my eyelashes being too clumpy because I tried to wear mascara for the first time. And let me tell you, I am 30 years old now and I make sure every single day that I brush my eyelashes. So if you think that these things don't impact people, you are very, very wrong, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And like I remember I played hockey in junior high, which was also, you know, I was growing and I would you know, have like a huge plate of pasta or something. Mm -hmm. And like my parents, you know, wouldn't comment. Right. Cause you know, she's growing. She just played, you know, a game all good. Um, but I remember people would comment on like the girls in my school, if they would have a big lunch or like snack, it's like, Oh, you're going to gain weight. It's like, you don't say that to the, you know, the boys, like the cis boys, um, which in my school, they were all at least presented as cis boys yeah. and cis girls because yeah. there were no no one was out. Um, yeah, it was like both are going through growth spurts, but one is monitored significantly more heavy, heavily. Totally. totally. Yeah. It's so interesting that we both have such different experiences that got us to a very similar place yeah. when it comes to like our relationship with like our bodies and food. And I think that just highlights the point. Like we didn't have a prior conversation about this. Yeah. Like this is like every once in a while, well, the vast majority of the time we come on here and we have these conversations really raw. We kind of prep a little bit, but like this, we didn't talk about at all. So like the fact that we have such similar experiences 
coming from very two different, very like very different walks of life. Your parents, your mom was a teacher. Yeah. My parents were military. Like, I don't know how much more different there is. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I was raised by like hippie socialists. Yeah, I yeah. was very much not. I was raised by retired military mm-hmm. members. Yeah. So like it and not very impacted all of my life. And but so two very distinct stories, but still ended up in the same place, which shows that like you don't know the impact that you're having. Well, and it's almost like society as like a broader thing has a huge impact. And of course, we would be remiss not to mention that all these standards we've talked about are distinctly Eurocentric. Yeah, absolutely. Right. What we consider attractive features are very much white features. Yep. Right. It's why you get, um, you know, South Koreans getting plastic surgery on their eyes. Yeah. To make them, you know, look more white. Yeah. Right. Totally. And my favorite thing in the world is like when you see people posting on Instagram about like, like really, really, really thin, like societally normal bodies for our culture going to other cultures and being like, oh, like people here don't find me attractive. And it's like, they don't like, because that's not like, this is white. Yeah. Like skinny blonde hair, blue eyes is a white. Well, and a lot of it is white north american yeah right like we look at you know there's the all the jokes about you know british teeth Mm -hmm. versus american like perfect straight white teeth yeah right so a lot of it yeah Yeah. it was imported from europe but north america's put well canada and the u.s have put her own spin on things as we always do yeah god (laughs) and here we are to ground you in how awful we are as a society (laughs) like wake up yeah. Yeah. And then if you're have, you know, a physical disability yeah. or like when race plays into it, like mm-hmm. it adds this whole other layer. I mean, people are talking right now about, you know, black women's hair after what happened at the Oscars. And we're not going to give our thoughts on that because no. we are white and can't possibly understand. Yeah. Um, but it is a conversation that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing I can't imagine. So I'm not going to try. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah. And basically. that's it. That's all we <laughs> say about that. And you know what, as you can tell, sometimes it sucks because sometimes you do have more to say, but you don't have to, and it's not your place. So yeah. you zip it. Oh, we've had our conversation about it yeah. in our office. Yeah. But in the privacy where it's two people that can have a productive and accountable conversation about what this meant and what our experience was. Well, and just exploring our thoughts on it. Right. And just kind of questioning where those thoughts come from. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's kind of like, same with body positivity, like even with working out and getting fit, like I had to kind of reorient my goals from like weight loss to being like, oh man, I can do like this steep hike and not have to take a break. Mm -hmm. Like I can, you know, lift this like desk and help carry stuff down the stairs when my friends move. Totally. Like I am the strong one in the group, not anymore, but, (laughs) but you were, you know, people like, oh my gosh, I remember I would have friends, moms. And like, even recently at a friend's wedding, like just before COVID there was, oh, I need a couple boys. And it was, you know, usually something physical, right. To Mm -hmm. carry 
you know, boxes or yeah. what have you. And I always like just out of rebellion would go and volunteer and be like, no, 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 no I can don't. do it too. Yeah. yeah. But like, oh my God, one of them used blue job as oh. a term, like blue job and pink job, which I had never heard before. And I'm really sorry if you can hear a child crying in the background. Um, we share our space with the family resource center and they've got some kiddos. Yeah. There. It's actually me crying. <laughs> like it's Kelsey's heart. Uh, yeah. 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 I attended a conference on Saturday called, um, called, and it was the inclusive health conference, um, put on here in Alberta. And one of the panels was on like fat advocacy, fat inclusivity, fat services, fat resources, stuff like that. And the, one of the things that I was kind of uncomfortable with, but I was called out on by a, or called in on, sorry, by the facilitator was using the word overweight, obese. Like those words are created to oppress people. Yeah. That is a body type. Overweight. That's fine. Overweight is value judgment. Yeah. Right. Whereas fat is more of an adjective. And another thing that I, I learned again from fitness is BMI. Mm-hmm body mass index. You've probably heard of it. You know, if you Google yourself, there's a good chance you're going to have an overweight or unhealthy BMI. Yeah. Um, and that really messes with people, but they don't realize that that was never meant to be used on an individual level. That was to measure populations. Mm-hmm. And even then it's flawed. Mm-hmm. So when people talk about their personal BMI, or if you look yours up, like, please do not put stock yeah. in that Yeah. because it was never meant to be used for an individual. And it's why we all show as overweight. And do your research. Like I would encourage you to do some research into where it came from yeah, and who invented it and what their background was, right? Because like, these are the things when you're putting so much and when you go to the doctor and the doctor talks about your BMI, ask them, like, can you, can you like, can you tell me the history of this? Yeah. Because I'm willing to bet that they can't, right? Like it's a number that people use to determine somebody's value. We don't own a scale in my house. Same. I haven't owned a scale. I don't think I've owned a scale in a good 10 years. Actually. I don't think I've owned a scale since I left my mom's house mm-hmm. because I would step on that scale every five minutes. Even oh, yeah. when Daily. I went to my mom's house, yeah. like just to visit her, like for quite some time after I didn't have one, I would step on hers. Yeah. And now like, it's like that just like there is so much more, so many more interesting things about me than what's in my pants. There are so many more interesting things about me than what is on that scale. Right. And that's been a huge re readjustment for me and yep. a huge learning curve. Um, and just kind of retraining my brain, right? Yeah. Like it's less about what, well, and like, I've got some pretty wicked, like dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. So like, I see my body is significantly bigger than I am. And totally. I know that. Yeah. Right. And so that's another thing, right? Yeah. So. Totally. And that's really real for people, right? It's another one of those things that you don't have to understand. You don't have to look at us and be like, they don't look like they would be plus size in the fashion community. Because like again, like we know our experiences, yeah. right? You're looking, you look at us through a camera. Um, and you just you don't know. You just don't know what those experiences are. I have recently switched to men's clothing, in case you can tell. Um, it's a dream. The sizing oh, yeah. is a freaking dream. I, everything fits all of a sudden. And it's just great. Like I feel comfortable for the first time. Like nice. women's clothing is very much made to make you feel like a 
object, like you are sexualized, yeah. like you are supposed to fit into this societal norm, which is why f- fast fashion is such an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I tried men's clothes once, but just the way it's, I would have to get it all mm. tailored because otherwise it's super like, yeah. Yeah. I am like very much the definition of straight size. Like I am like, like I am a ruler. Yeah. <laughs> basically. So everything fits me like things made for curvy people don't fit me very well. Things made for yeah. straight bodies. Yeah. Very much do. And that's men's clothing. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It's like, it's a whole different world when you find something that you're actually comfortable in. Yeah. And like mine. So I quite enjoy a lot of women's clothing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know, fairly femme. I like to wear quite tight, you know, form fitting clothing. Some of it not appropriate for work. <laughs> We don't judge. judge. Um, But what I would love to learn is how to sew darts into shirts. Oh, which is um, basically to tailor it right. Because if I get a button down, I have to get it quite. I have to get it a size up, so it'll Mm -hmm. close here. Yeah. Uh, But then darts would make it like more form fitting, right? Because a lot of clothes are made to look good on hangers Mm -hmm. and not on people with actual. Oh my gosh, we'll do like a queer sewing class. That'd be great. That would be awesome. Oh my God. Gay sewing. (laughs) See, it is the gay agenda. It truly is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do. I have an extensive agenda for our community. That's true. It starts with queer sewing. Yeah. Really just taking things back from industry. Yeah. In general. Oh my gosh. We're going to start a queer commune. Okay. You joke, but my friends and I literally have a plan, like down to like how we're going to make money and like what the houses oh are going to look like, because Amazing. like townhouses are more economic than having like cottages and like, mm. it's a thing. Oh it's gosh. a whole thing you can join. Well, um, yeah. And that's the queer joy. <laughs> <laughs> queer commune. Yeah. What is your queer joy this week? Oh, I'm putting you on the spot because for the first time. I actually don't know what mine's going to be. So I have to think about it. So what's yours? Yeah, you know, I don't 100% know what mine is either. Um, I would very much say my queer joy is that show. Uh, Steph, my partner, and I binged it in a couple days um, because we tried to like stretch it out over a few days because we were enjoying it so much. And it just like representation changes lives. And that trans representation, like I... I don't even know what else to say. I don't know yeah. what else to say. I think of so many kids that remind me of that. Yeah. You know, that trans dancer and she is freaking beautiful and absolutely amazing and was very vocal about how she is just as much a woman as anything else. And one thing I will commend Lizzo did not address her transness once Nice. the whole show. Not a comment was made by Lizzo or by any of the other performers. The only person that addressed her transness was her. Awesome. And that is exactly how it should be. Like that is, that's exactly how it should be. Gives me goosebumps. Okay. What's your queer joy? Um, oh, I know. So I have started rewatching like the old Batman movies, like from the eighties and nineties. So good. Like I watched the two Michael Keaton ones Mm -hmm. and like, first of all, you can actually see what's happening because it was before this most recent trend of like having things that are just like 
the lighting is so dark you can't see what's happening it's on screen. black on black I'm like, on black I'm like, I'm like I can't even see my brightness is all the way up but I can't see yeah but yeah so I could actually see but oh, also God. like they're just so much fun and the villains are so good so good the villains are so good like it was so funny two of them mentioned like the leading lady's weight mm-hmm. which I found very funny one as like she was offended that the tabloids had put her as more than she is mm-hmm. which like actually it's probably pretty accurate yeah and then one he asked because of like a thing to mm-hmm. pull them up and it had to be calibrated and she lied and did it under and then he yeah. calls her out on it later um because I was like you're five eight and you're gonna say you're 108 pounds mm-hmm. sure Kim yeah <laughs> Speaking of body positivity, yeah. let's not lie. Yeah. Right? Why do we have to lie about our weight? Um, yeah. But yeah, they're just very fun. And like, they yeah. are super fun. I'm they're, a huge Batman fan. They're so ridiculous. Like, I'm not a huge DC person, but yeah. Also, like, Batman's whole thing of like, I don't kill. Like, that's his whole thing. He doesn't kill people, but like, he will put them in situations where they will die. You know what? That's that. That's like that um, quote that you heard for a really long time. Guns don't kill people. People kill people or yeah, something. It's yeah. like, I, what? Like, it's a lot harder for me to kill somebody without a gun. Without a gun. But like, he's like, oh, I don't kill people. I don't use guns. But like, he fully causes the Joker to fall off a skyscraper and die. Yeah. So like, just because you're not directly doing something doesn't mean that you're completely innocent okay but like sometimes he is directly doing something like in one of the comics he like breaks a guy's spine mm-hmm. and then leaves him in the arctic mm-hmm. it's like sure bruce you're not killing him what you're doing that because you think it's the best yeah for him so that's my batman rant oh <laughs> like we could do a whole episode on batman just on comics in general i love them on oh, two things we didn't know about each other anyways anyways we better end this or we'll be talking forever (laughs) thank you so much for joining us as usual we love and appreciate you yes um be kind to yourself and others and we will see you next week bye bye